0: Hi everyone, this is the Hearsay Podcast. My name is Saya. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 56 and my guest today is my good mate Davey Lane. As most of you would know, Davey plays guitar in the band UMI. He's also released albums with his own band, The Pictures, and some solo records under his name, as well as lending his incredible guitar skills to many, many people, including Jimmy Barnes, Crowded House, Todd Rundgren and Robin Hitchcock. Uh, Full disclosure, as well as there being a bit of swearing, as always, there is also a lot of talk about the band ELO in this one. So high electric light orchestra content warning. Our love for ELO is kind of the thing that brought Davey and I together in the first place. Um, So bear with us or maybe avoid this one if you hate ELO. We also talk about our shared love for the band Supergrass and I make a comment in our chat about writing a letter to the drummer from Supergrass and I wanted to quickly explain this for those of you who aren't familiar. Um, Two amazing women, Marie Hardy and Michaela Maguire, used to create a show around Australia where they would ask creative women to write letters to a certain theme and read them in front of an audience and they also printed books of these beautiful letters. So I was lucky enough to be asked to do it and my group's theme was a letter to the person who hopefully doesn't know who I am. So, of course, I wrote mine to the drummer from Supergrass because I was a bit secretly obsessed with him as a teenager. Um, it's printed in one of the books if you ever want to seek it out, but I just thought I would explain uh, what I meant by that comment. Um, Davy's strange show experience was illustrated by our friend and friend of the podcast, Laura Embrulia. You can follow Laura on Insta at Laura Imbruglia, or you should definitely go seek some of her records out because she's an amazing musician. Um, She guested on episode number 11 of Hearsay, which feels like a goddamn lifetime ago. Um, You can see all illustrations, as always, on Instagram at Hearsay Podcast or on the Hearsay Facebook page. Rate and subscribe to the podcast if you want to. Leave me a review. All of that stuff helps. Thank you again so much for listening. This is episode number 56, Davy Lane. Davey, I'm so happy to talk to you. I'm so I'm so happy to hear your voice.
1: I'm happy to hear your voice. It's been, it's been um, a while. I can't remember when we last would have actually heard each other's um, dulcet tones. But I know. Um, but well, here we, we
0: are. D- we text a bit. We do. Know, Absolutely. mostly about Jeff Lynne.
1: Mostly, uh, yeah, mostly electric light orchestra related. <laughs> but um, <laughs> hey, we're only human.
0: <laughs> That's true. I was thinking today of the things that we have in common, and here are the things that I came up with. One, okay, this is gonna be good. Same age. Two, yep. Um, we both got to join bands that we were kind that were kind of our heroes when we were kids. Tick, yeah. Um, number three, obsessed with Jeff Lynne and ELO.
1: <laughs> tick, <laughs> um, double tick.
0: Number four, both excellent guitar players. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Um, i wouldn't i wouldn't yeah I wouldn't so sell, sell your uh sh-
1: your shredwomanship so so sure thank
0: you um and the other one I thought of was that we're both obsessed with the album band on the run and specifically That's true. 1985 the song oh
1: my god yeah,
0: yeah that
1: is yeah that that for me is is one of uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's a last song on the record, isn't it? Oh, it's. I um, mean, it's.
0: You can't write a better song than that song.
1: And the fact that it, I mean, obviously there was a lot of overdubs done on it, but they, you know, the whole story about that record, how you know, a couple of guys left, a couple of the guys left the band, and possibly because of, of this, but like, you know, it was a it, it, what seemed like a classic kind of stoned. Paul McCartney idea like
2: you know you know it' would be great you know we we'll just go down to let's go around to Nigeria and make a record down there you know that would be great you know just being Lagos you know it's great music man <laughs> and then
1: like a, a couple of the a couple of the yeah the, the guitar player and the drummer were like fuck that yeah so, I'm out um, the, so they ended up going to Nigeria and he ended up playing like doing the drums and it was so like yeah. I mean, just as a a triumph over ad- adversity for him, and to make such a make a record like that, it's such a banger.
0: It is such a banger, and also yeah. like you know that when you listen to songs and you have that like deep sort of heart feeling where you're like, yeah, oh, I think I have that with almost every song on that record.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's uh, there, there's a song. There's a song on um. On the. What was oh, it? was on Ram called um, Backseat of My Do oh, you know yeah. that one? Sure. Oh my God. Amazing. And that there are. I mean, there are a few songs, and I don't think there are as many songs that go into double figures for me, but songs that really just choke me up. Yeah. Out of. Out of. like. Sheer joy or, or or sadness or um and and backseat of my car is one of those songs that's just.
0: I was just thinking that about single pigeon the other day. What a, oh, ba- what yeah, a beautiful right. song. Red
1: Rose Speedway. Oh. That's a yeah.
0: I mean, I was thinking that you and I would talk about Jeff Lynn, but it's turned out that you and I are uh, going to be on a yeah. McCartney rant. <laughs>
2: You know, it's really great that you really like my my um, wing stuff. You know, but uh, yeah, um, I have. So
1: I've thought of another thing that we have in common. Um, well, it's also an obsession about a band, an English band from the nineteen nineties. <gasps> that
0: I know what you're going to um, say.
1: <laughs> well, you, well, I'll let you.
0: <laughs> we're both obsessed with the band Supergrass.
1: Absolutely, I mean, and we're not going to get into discussion about, um, you know, the, the the world being put on um, on pause um, because, you know, we're just going to be treading ground that everybody kn- knows about and is going through anyway. Yes. But possibly one of my – one of the most disappointing things for me was was um, the fact that Supergrass's tour out here yeah. got – that got the can. I know. But, um, I
0: was really upset too.
1: Because just as everything was starting to go a bit – Mental. It was like, oh, oh I Hope Supergrass aren't going to cancel. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, so the weeks kind of, like well it wasn't even. It was more everything kind of like it was more just you know taking each day, each each couple of hours as it as it came. But yeah. like it's like it quickly became apparent that oh, I don't. Supergrass aren't getting.
0: They're not going to make it. <laughs> I know. I had the same feeling. Supergrass for me. I don't know if this was the same for you. And I think you know very aware that we're the same age i think we are both very deeply into britpop when we were teenagers and yep guilty as and charged and beyond um and i think that supergrass for me were just like a band that made me want to play music it just always looked like they were having so much fun and they were, and they wrote such kick ass songs. And it was all like, most of it was like pretty heavy distortion and, yeah. And, but also yeah. like some augmented chords in with, you know, in with their like power chords, That's which it. is pretty cool. Yeah.
1: And, and for me, it was like they were like a, and I'd only heard a couple of Buzzcock songs around uh, by, by that time, but like for me, they were like a modern day version of, that totally. they, were, like, they still had this real punky energy to it but like there was this really like you, you know there were, there was that bit of um kind of quite English kind of oddness to them there was like you know a couple of those like chords that came chord changes that came out of nowhere and um for me like yeah I mean I was uh, you know I loved a lot of those Fans and I was, you know, I was I love Blur and me too. you know guilty of being an Oasis fan as well. <laughs> but but for me, like yeah, I mean, Supergrass were the most. They just had that um that that playfulness and that exuberance that yeah. I think probably gave them the edge over any of those other bands.
0: Absolutely, I yeah, I actually listened to I Should Coco on the weekend for the first time in a long time, and it totally yeah. holds up. It's such a, a great a, record.
1: It, a, a joyful 35 minutes or however long it is. Yeah. There. And it's, it's, yeah. Still, yeah, holds, I, up. I still holds up.
0: Highly recommend, highly recommend you listen to it soon.
1: Yeah. The first big day out that I went to in 1997 was, um, uh, the I think Soundgarden were headlining that year. Oh, yeah. But I, I went primarily to see, um, Supergrass and, um, and my favourite Australian rock band, UMI.
0: Yay! And
1: uh, I ended up seeing a bunch of uh, – I ended up seeing the Blues Explosion as well, and they were incredible, and um, maybe The Cruel Sea as well, and they were just like, it was like oh, well, like, who is this terrifying man who's, who's – <laughs> Terrifying who's brute. <laughs> the t- yeah, it's very manly man. Yes, very manly man. <laughs> but I, um, I remember being up the front, for uh, waiting for Supergrass's set, and I can't remember who was playing before, but they came out, and it this was just before the In It for the Money record came out, yeah. so they were, um, they uh, so I hadn't heard any of the songs prior to that, so they came out and started with the first song on that record, which is the title track, yeah. And. I was my, my mind had been you know like I, hadn't, I had not been altered by any kind of um, intoxicants. I think at that at that point I was I was you know I was, I was still a teetotaling <laughs> um, fifteen year old and they played. In it for the money, and I swear to God, it was like a psychedelic experience. It was like,
2: oh my God, this is I've never heard this song before, but this is the best song I've ever heard in my whole life.
1: <laughs> so that was, yeah, a
0: I have a similar moment. memory because I, I went to that big out as well, and I I actually saw because um, as you know, I've I wrote this letter as part of the uh, Women of Letters. Oh, um, letter to letter to Danny. I wrote a letter to Danny, the drummer from Supergrass, about um, mm. ab- about being obsessed with the band and and also with him slightly. And I saw him sort of out in the real world that day, like out in the in, about the festival, <laughs> and I followed yeah. followed him around. And I'm pretty sure that I was wearing <laughs> a Supergrass t shirt. <laughs> Just like following Danny around, wearing a Supergrass t shirt. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's amazing. Hiding behind
0: poles so he wouldn't see me. <laughs> um. Well, well speaking,
1: of, speaking of being a, a, a teetotaler and my d- descent into, into uh, you know, being... Um, non-teetotaling? Uh, non-teetotaling. Yeah. The first time I got really stoned was with Supergrass.
0: What? Yeah. Tell yeah. me about I, that.
1: I, this was a couple of years later. This was in 1999, I think. Uh, when they next came out, and by that um, by that point, I'd just finished um, my first the first UMI tour that I'd done.
0: Wait, is this the album that I supported them on, Supergrass? Supergrass. Mm. Yeah. Were you? Yeah, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> my brain
1: is just. I
0: oh, was that with um. It was Second Sek- yeah. and Eskimo Second and yeah, Supergrass. Fuck. Yeah. Bloody
1: hell. Small world. But that's Again. so
0: funny that we didn't know each other then. What so tell me tell no. me your story.
1: But so it, it it turned out that our um you and I were on were on tour for about a month previous to that, and so it was my first tour with them. And um our tour manager was he was um it was like, So what do you got coming up after this? And he was like, Oh, I'm I'm doing the supergrass tour, I'm tour managing supergrass. I was like,
2: What? No way, that's fucking <laughs> awesome. I fucking love supergrass. He goes, Oh well
1: Come to the show in Melbourne. So the forum, the forum, at the forum so, yeah,
0: yeah. That was my first ever gig in Melbourne. Can you believe? Really? that? Really? Yeah. Bloody hell! At the forum. That is <laughs> so much.
1: That's one way to, um, you know, people uh, people romanticise the tote and the punters' club yeah. and the bloody public bar. But
0: <laughs> it was downhill after that. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Straight in at the top floor, but um. So afterwards, I was um. Uh, yeah, uh, Anthony, who was our tour manager, um, came and found me and was like, oh, do you want to come back and meet the band? And I was like, oh, do I? And um, so I, I kind of went down and they would had um, they were they were familiar with UMI because UMI actually did the – they UMI were on the 97 big day out right, as well, right, right. which was before yeah. my time, but they hung out a bit on that tour. So – they're like, oh, you're the new guy. Great, <laughs> um, and and they so they're like, oh, we're just rolling a joint. Do you want it? And so, like, um, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> so, you know, and yeah, I mean, it, the, 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 this story isn't going anywhere you don't think it's going to go, but <laughs> but but um, I was like, okay, cool. This sounds great. No, oh, I'm getting stoned with supergrass. This is this is this is really fun.
0: So yeah, I've made it.
1: I've made it. Yeah. So I. I'm, I I'm I am i am not sure how long I made it after that probably another 5 minutes and I was like nice nice to meet you when when I started seeing everything when my 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 vision had turned into like kind of I wasn't seeing anything in 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 motion everything was just in stop frame Kind of fl- flickers of of movement, and so I was like, okay, and like, and and you you know those steps yeah. from from the backstage. A it's lot it's of it's steps. A, yeah, there's a lot of steps. Mm. So I yeah managed to get outside and one at a and, time. and, and <laughs> one excruciatingly <laughs> long step at a time, and ended up uh ended up uh well ended up throwing up on the oh, um, no, um, Davey. um yeah. I just got outside, Aww. and uh, and I think there were, um, you know, there were a bunch of people obviously waiting outside the stage door for and they were like, Oh my god, it's that guy from UMI. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Vomiting. thankfully I was. <laughs> uh, I don't think I don't think I was uh, a- a- anyone was kind of overly f- familiar of my um, my visage <laughs> at that at that point. So
0: that's so funny that I probably would have been. In that we, room,
1: absolutely. We we are, bloody hell. Oh, there you go.
0: Shits in the night.
1: What are the odds of that?
0: Well, can we talk about? So, I mean, we we both have this amazing thing in common that we were really big fans of the, of these bands that we then got to play with later in life. Yeah. Um. Yep. Can you tell me about your experience?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, you, you and I were, were were always one of my. I, I guess the record that I came in on was. Hi-Fi way, I, I guess when Sounders ever came out, it would have been like 12, 13, so probably a little, just a little too young yeah. to kind of <laughs> have that on my um, mm. on my periphery. But I remember hearing, um can't remember what song I heard first. It was maybe like Kathy's Clown or Jewels and Bullets or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, bloody hell, who's this? Like, this is like... <laughs> this sounds like all the music that I love, you know, all the music that I loved was was of a bygone era. So it was like, oh, wow, this is a group that's uh, around now that's like doing this really like incredible stuff. Mm. So that was when um, they caught my attention and, you know, then Alley Daily came out and I, I really loved that. I mean, that was... Great that record. Was, um, yeah, excellent mm. record. And... um. I got in touch, I remember like maybe it was like a school holiday the school holidays where I was like you know i i just started learning how to play guitar, and
0: how old were you here uh this would have
1: been ninety six so 15, fourteen fifteen yeah. so i uh, yeah i I looked up the u m i website and i was i was thinking okay like, well i know like, having from having seen u m i play a little bit that Tim had um uh you know he sometimes had capos on on his guitar frets and sometimes it, the, the shapes that he was playing didn't look like regular guitar shapes so i was like oh, okay something there's something there's there's more than meets the eye to this so <laughs> i i i looked up the guitar tab uh section of a umi fan site. So this was like back in the days of uh, www.http.geocities.com yes. slash um, 4,005, 738. <laughs> and, you know, these really long um, HTML addresses that yeah. you have to find to I find remember. something that you... <laughs> 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 so I remember finding this page with UMI tabs and then looking at it and going, and go, okay. And then it's like, Putting my fingers to the to the strings and go. This doesn't sound right. This is actually these are all these are all wrong. I think. And so I was, you know, I was on school holiday holidays, and I, 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 I you know, I was a bit of a. I was a, always a bit of a loner as a kid, anyway. Like I kind of and you know, I wasn't into into um, skateboarding or, or 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 hanging tough, so. I um I thought, well, okay, well, maybe I'll try and figure out what he's um, what he's doing here, and 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 then I figured out that that you know Keith Richards had this thing where he had this tuning and uh, like this open G tuning that he uses for Stone stuff, and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure Tim Tim Rogers would like the Stones, so <laughs> I reckon if I uh, yeah, I'll try that. And then that was like it was kind of like a springboard to kind of like trying to decode what he was doing a little bit. And then that from there, I, I kind of sent them to this uh, fella I knew who was doing who was who was you know who wh- what would be called in in that time the the, the webmaster. <laughs> but um,
0: you're like, I've done some detective work. And I think <laughs> it's Keith Richards well, is the key. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh yeah, so so I ended up like doing my own versions of these and then uploading them and then like getting lots of positive feedback from other other fans slash um nerdlingers, <laughs> fellow nerdlingers who were like, Oh, this is this is I think this is good. So and then I ended up getting I got an email from UMI's drummer Rusty, Mm -hmm. who, like, it's funny to, like, because now he's, you know, I mean, all those guys are, like, my best mates anyway, but, like, it's like, oh my God, I got an email from Rusty, yo. This is, like, whenever I think of myself as a kid, I revert to the, um, the, the Spotty guy from The Simpsons. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If I had a
2: girlfriend, she'd kill me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So
1: whenever I, whenever I refer to a memory like that, I always revert. Remember it in uh, yeah. I always as that always, character. Uh, that, that's yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so I was like, oh my god, Rusty's even emailed me. So um, and he's like, I can't remember exactly, but he was like, oh, like, you know, like I've shown some weird things to Tim, and he's, he's you know, he was like really impressed and and whatnot. So fast forward a couple of years, they uh they were coming, they were down in Melbourne playing. And they did a couple of shows at the Forum, funnily enough. Mm. But they were 18-plus shows, so I couldn't go to those. But um, they ended up doing an under or an all-ages show at the the hi-fi bar Mm -hmm. around the corner from there. And uh, there was a song in the set. This is after they put out a record um, called Number 4 Record. And... That was uh, I think the, yeah, that was the tour that they'd done just after that record came out, so there was a song on there called "Come Home with me," where Tim would like, all right, I want to sing this song i'm um, does anyone know how to play this song, or like i'd so i like, oh, maybe I can't remember exactly how it happened, but I think maybe i'd I'd met them for i uh, tim said oh you should you should get up and do that for for that song at this show if you want, and
2: I was like, oh. Oh jeez, that sounds great! <laughs> I'd love to do that.
1: So um, yeah, so we ended up. I ended up jumping up and doing this um, song with them, and then that song kind of came to an end. And then Tim lent into my ear and he goes, "Oh, do you know how to play Cathy's Clan? And I was like, "Oh, do I?" So we did that, and then I think maybe uh, Rumble, or, uh, and so it ended up. I ended up doing a couple extra songs with them, and that was like. Uh, a really um i mean that was just a really incredible experience so they were
0: you playing tim's guitar
1: playing to yeah playing tim's guitar yeah which was like yeah i mean that was a thrill for me i mean that was i've my mum found a photo of me on stage doing that the the, the other week and sent it to me i didn't even know there was one but yeah i mean the guitar is 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 because tim's quite a bit taller than than I, the, than I. So the guitar is kind of, kind of round my knees. You had it like um,
0: Ramones. <laughs> Ramones. Ramones, <guitar>. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. Ramones, or you know, like, or John Coghill, depending on your, <laughs> you know, like on your, on your musical preference. But sure. um,
0: was it in? But, was it in Keith Richards' tuning? Uh, was it I'm open? Don't...
1: No, it was just in 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 stand old straight as they come. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. When Rusty was was emailing you, did you feel like you wanted to keep the conversation going? Did you feel like you might become friends with him, or was it really like a far away thought?
1: Yeah, I mean, if it it absolutely was a far away thought, but. It was back in the days of – actually, I, I can't
0: remember. I don't think he maybe
1: sent me an e- email. I think it was over ICQ, which was the um, – Because
0: I, re- I remember ICQ because I, I used to use ICQ all the time and you couldn't change the sound. It was er- – anytime you got a message, <laughs> it was, uh-oh.
1: <laughs> Jeez, that uh-oh was really annoying. What if – can I change it? And it's like, nah. Nah. That's it. You, you. You're stuck uh-oh. with it. Yeah. I can't remember – I I think I'd maybe stupidly tried to like uh, I was like yeah I'll keep the conversation going. I think maybe they're on tour in the states. and I was like, uh, and I like, had heard that Tim was a North Melbourne Kangaroos fan because he's a he's a uh, yeah very dedicated um, uh, fan of, of the uh, of the AFL team. And um, I was like oh I just uh, maybe like I'd. I'd seen on the TV or something that North had won a game and,
2: and it's like, oh, if you let him know that oh, I think, uh, I just saw North Melbourne, I think they won a game. And so
1: like <laughs> probably like oblivious to the fact that there was, the, uh, the internet did exist in other parts of the world at that time. <laughs>
0: That's so cute. But, um, I definitely have similar memories to becoming friends with Regurgitator because yeah. my band Sekiden we supported regurgitator on a tour, you know, I was, I was probably about 18 or 19 when we went on tour with them and, um, yeah. And yeah, it was really starstruck. And it's so funny to think about now because obviously they're all really close friends and, and we'll, we'll be forever. Um, absolutely. And yeah. you just can't really even imagine having that sort of like <laughs> that it's feeling. Funny. Yeah. It's really I- funny
1: i mean it's 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 a it's a good good um it's a good leveler to 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 think back and go ah oh, you know those guys are just oh they're just my mates like, Of they just like when i was a kid they were my fucking heroes like yeah. it's like it's it's a yeah it's a pretty when you when you kind of put things into perspective like that it really is quite an you know overarching thing
0: well can we talk a little bit about the the people that you're playing with now cuz you've you know you've played with so many amazing people including Jimmy Barnes and Crowded House and Todd Rundgren mm. you know people that are just huge heroes to all of us mm. Did you ever pinch yourself and go oh my god I'm I'm playing with Jimmy Barnes or oh my god I've I've done a show with Crowded House
1: <laughs> Yeah I don't want to be all blasé about it. like oh it's just de rigueur it's just like you know it's just another day another <laughs> day at the office right <laughs> but um but it's obviously fucking not like it's mm-hmm. it's you know to be afforded these you know the opportunities to to play to play music with, with with these people and not only that just like for me it's been such an incredible learning process of of another bit like yeah just kind of being on on tour with people but like being in the studio as well and kind of like getting sort of uh, getting my my head inside what what makes these people tick as mm. performers and as songwriters and as musicians yeah i mean it's um, for, for me is music makes up the, the entirety of my life in one way or another mm. like all, even when i'm not not working on music um you know, my go-to thing is to watch a, you know, go down a, a, rabbit hole of, you know, the multi-track recording for what's going on by Marvin Gaye oh, and like, so and good. just like, which is amazing. And even if you're not, you know, an obsessive music fan, that's mm. something that you just like, just to hear Marvin Gaye's vocal on its own. It's like that is like some otherworldly shit going
0: on. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: it's and it's something that I don't take for granted. I've been really lucky to have some incredible opportunities to work with some great artists and well
0: can we talk a little bit about how so you're obviously a a kind of guitarist that can sort of mold themselves into other people's universes how did you get to that point in your guitar journey to be able to mimic other people's style oh I don't know that
1: I can really like I I, I, I like dipping my toe into you know lots of different things but like i can only do a certain amount of things to you know a a certain level of expertise but i um, i disagree
0: (laughs) i think (laughs) i've seen you play plenty of times with different (laughs) absolutely different kinds of artists (laughs) and i've just been like Davy is killing this. I mean, I feel like every time I see you play, you're playing like a different style, or I don't know. I'm I'm just always so impressed by you and the way that you can that you can play, you know, guitar however you want. Like you're such a versatile player.
1: That's that's very kind of you to say say, And I've got and the 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 fifty bucks is in the mail. But, um, <laughs> I think over the years of kind of like accruing a certain amount of influences you kind of I mean it sounds like a pretty like cliche thing to say but you put them in a blender and it comes out sounding something kind of you know a different form of some something else so it's like, if if I'm in the studio with somebody and they're a, a music fan as well I will go like you know like it's it's like that classic Kind of um, music critic cliche. It was like,
2: well, imagine Brian e- Brian Eno walking down the street <laughs> on a uh, on a on a dusty road with Tom Petty, and then they uh, they come across um, Roy Orbison, uh, Roy Orbison, and then <laughs> and then they meet George Harrison and uh, Bob Dylan. John takes long, and then they and then they end up following the Traveling Wilburys. So uh, Brian Eno and the Traveling Wilburys. That's oh my an interesting God,
0: Davey. <laughs> That's like my dream Imagine yeah. Can you Bloody imagine? Oath. Oh man That would have really changed the vibe of that recording <laughs> I guess
1: so. I don't know how long it would have Yeah, I don't know I get, I get the feeling Eno probably might have freaked out Roy Orbison a bit as well
0: Probably I reckon Bob Dylan and Brian Eno Might have some differences in opinion
1: Oh Yeah Or they'd probably just try and outriddle each other <laughs> Tim and I have been working on a new UMI record, um, just here, here at my place over the the last couple of months, and and and, and it will get. It's like, oh, well, what, what do you reckon about this? And It's like, oh, just like you know, just you know, fucking chuck Alex Chilton in a fucking blender with, um, you know, with uh, with 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 Brian May. Great. And it's like, Okay, cool. I I, I <laughs> and that kind of like it's like, okay, cool. I, I will just kind of go with what I imagine that might sound yeah. like.
0: I'll get up my penny and I'll start strumming with yeah, it. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, got my sixpence.
0: So you've also been recording, you've you finished your own record, right? What, what's happening with that? Yeah.
1: Well, that's that's kind of, yeah, I mean, that's kind of done. I'm just kind of looking for a, a home for it at the moment. But yeah, that's that's pretty much, pretty much all there. I, um, I
0: loved it. I mean, you sent it to me to listen oh, to. I took my listening you. responsibility very seriously and gave you a, a massive page of of support. I loved
1: you. Yeah, that was that was wonderful. <laughs> that was really made. Yeah, made my week. That was. Thank you, Saya. Yeah. Um, well,
0: I feel like if so, if I ever send my songs to someone, I. I feel like you want people to pay attention, you know. And I absolutely. And I always. Yeah, yeah. I feel really honored when people send me their their songs or you know or their records before they're released or before they're mastered. Um, me too. And yeah. So that's why. And I, sometimes. it's yeah.
1: – Sometimes, depending on the circumstance, or depending on like you know, sometimes we go okay. Like I kind of enjoy the experience of hearing it when the universe he, hears it, yeah. but like. Sometimes it's like uh sometimes, you know, especially if it's something you're you're really curious about, you'll you will go, oh, Okay, oh wow, a sneak peek would be incredible. <laughs> yeah,
0: I loved it. And I did oh, you know, you. I tried to, I tried to pay lots of attention to it and I sent you all of my love and support in notes for every single song. You,
1: you, absu- you absolutely <laughs> did. And it did not go, um, the care that you put into that did not go um, unnoticed. I'm or glad. Un- uh, uh, um, and, <laughs> yeah, and you you got all the reference points because uh, I, I think anyone who starts making music and says what they're doing is completely original is a, a fucking liar. Like really, but but you know, obviously, when you start writing music, and like obviously, you're gonna be like a a result of of your nascent influences. So a, as you learn, you kind of start to kind of manage to weave your own thing into it. But you know, and people have been very forward in saying to me that well, oh, th- th- this sounds like this, and it's like well, the first band I started my own, The Pictures. People are like oh. This sounds like the Who. It's like, sure, bloody Otha does. Yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> the Who. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I mean, I
0: I was really happy to hear that you had so many different types of references, though, in, in this album. I mean, I I always think you do in in your solo stuff, but you know, I I remember that. I mean, there's definitely a big Britpop influence, but mm, then I yeah. also think you had a lot of, you know, obviously like Brian May, and then you had a couple that sounded like. Jay Riotard and, you know, like way more oh, like distorted stuff that was really great. Yeah. And obviously, you're like a giant Beatles fan and you can hear that in all of your songs. and Well, that, that that's,
1: yeah. I mean, the, the influence of the Beatles is is pretty like a friend a couple of years ago. I think she I mean, she went to the, like, you know, Victorian, uh, the VCA, like the Victorian College of the Arts, so probably like learnt jazz and 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 all that kind of she's like oh i don't understand why you're so obsessed with the beatles and so well that was that was my college of music you know like that was mine too that was it's like oh what's a capo like oh what's a (laughs) you know especially when you hear the beatles at such a young age like you, you you know you love it but you don't know you're not really able to articulate exactly it's like it's not like, oh it's that um you know it's that bit where it changes from goes for well, you think it's going to go to a g major but it goes to a g minor and so like, you, you you don't know that but you no. know you know how it makes you feel when you absolutely.
0: hear it yeah
1: and that's why one of the reasons why the beatles to, to this day is still such a big fascination for me it's like that was my
0: that's your education
1: education yeah. absolutely yeah
0: that's so cool and I was really impressed when you showed me how many Beatles books you own. (laughs) Yeah. How – do you know how many you own?
1: Uh, I don't – yeah, I wouldn't put a number (laughs) on it, but I've got a lot.
0: (laughs) Is it your fascination more about, like, the music or are you also really obsessed with who they were and – and why they did what they did?
1: Oh well, absolutely. I mean, because like, as a as a as a phenomenon of pop culture, it's I mean, it's like a pretty yeah, it's a pretty remarkable thing. But for me, mainly, it's about the it, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's mainly about the music. It's like, so for me, anything where like there's a book written by somebody who was hanging out with them in the studio, or or you know that 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 that's the stuff that really piques my interest yeah um, i've
0: definitely i've read a few beatles but i haven't read nearly as many as you have but i've definitely read you know stuff about like the mic placement of the drums and oh uh, absolutely how, yeah, yeah. how does that sound so great um yeah and
1: and, and that's the thing i mean yeah. that sparked my interest in in recording as well and and, and wanting to um record my own stuff I remember mean, the first recordings that I'd do I'd go into you know you'd save up your your, your 300 bucks and you go into a studio and like you'd be really excited and go in and, and record and then go home and then like pop it on your like on your cassette deck and it's like yeah.
2: oh, this doesn't sound like this doesn't sound the way that I wanted to <laughs> yeah. so it's like
1: for me it was like yeah a fascination with kind of getting inside the, the process of, of that kind of recording and go, okay, well, you do this and you do this and you do this and, of course, it's never going to end up sounding exactly the way you want it, but like it's, it's all,
0: yeah. I definitely have that too, but, you know, trying to learn production tricks from... Abbey Road is, isn't is the same as trying to record drums in a tiny room and, uh, yeah. you know, North Kit. Yeah. with, it, uh, with yeah. it, You can hear the road for, through the window and, you know, like you're never going to make it sound the same. But exactly, it was still yeah. interesting to even just think about it. But having said that, I also, I remember reading um, Cynthia Lennon's book about John because oh, I've always yeah, right. been like a massive John fan. Yeah, And I lapped that up. Like I lapped up, like, you know, the wife that was left for Yoko Ono. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and her absolutely. experiences in that was fascinating. I love that shit. It's,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, oh, me too. And it's Lennon's story is certainly a lot, you know, in that regard, a lot more intriguing than, than McCartney's was. Mm. And, you know. Well, and continues to be because he's still with us. Yes. Unlike Bill Withers, oh, who's no, not, no, long, no, longer, no longer, longer with him. us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, any of those guys' stories are, are, are intriguing in their own way. It's like, you know, Ringo's story is intriguing because he grew up in like basically the slum area of Liverpool yeah. and he was like in hospital with... Peritonitis and was probably meant to die like two or three times and like, and and became good old Ringo style peace and love.
0: <laughs> what well, did you? So when you were learning guitar, did you try to emulate George Harrison or did, like? Did you try and learn those solos or were you learning other people's solos to become? Yeah, well, better? I was.
1: I guess Brian Brian May was has always been a big one for me. Of course,
0: you can definitely hear that in your. In your music,
1: oh, uh, absolutely! I make, I make, I make no bones of his um, <laughs> of, of the curly ones in influence on my guitar playing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, even though I kind of, like, you know, in in later life as I found out more about him, I kind of found him to be um, quite uh, abhorrent musically and personally. Eric Clapton was was a uh, was an a, an an early influence. I remember the first guitar that I bought was a red three three five copy that I had bought because mm-hmm. I saw the Creams farewell concert. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's who, who lent a certain kind of inventiveness to their playing, or like, or I mean, for for me, like, yeah, I mean, obviously Brian May because he. You know, there's a song called um, "Good Company" on the Queen album, "A Night at the Opera." It's like so he created a Dixieland jazz band out of solely his guitar and like using wow. different ways of EQing it and miking it to emulate a clarinet or a. That's crazy. You know, which is. Like, quite incredible, but probably would have been, like, quite infuriating for his bandmates
2: as well. (laughs) It's just like, fucking Brian, he's fucking, like, he's fucking around trying to make his guitar sound like a fucking clarinet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But do you think he was any more infuriating than the other band members? Oh, they I feel would like have everyone all been
1: <laughs> massive pains in the arse. I
0: feel like the producer would have just been like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> well, Everyone's
1: really self-indulgent. Their producer was Roy Thomas Baker, who is probably also a massive pain in the arse himself. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I actually went to I went to the studio. Um, There's the studio they recorded that. Um, in Wales, it's called Rockfield. Um, I went there. Um, I went there probably it would have been two thousand three or two thousand four. My first band, The Pictures, were going to do. Uh, we were going to actually going to make a, a record over there, and we're over there like kind of looking at people to to produce it and whatnot. And now all that ended up. None of that ended up happening. It's one of those, you know. It's one. It's it's one of those one of those well-worn tales of, uh, yeah. you know. Like,
0: I have a few of those. We
1: had been, just been. We'd just done a show in Cardiff and met with this guy Owen Morris, who uh, he produced uh, like Oasis's first three records, like he did. What's the story? Wow. Morning Glory and. He did. He also produced like Ash and The Verve, and That's you know right. a yeah, lot yeah. of those kind of things. Yeah, and he was great. And was hanging out with him, and it was obviously he was just like regaling us with all the stories of like you know one time like fucking Noel, right? He fucking like got so fucking hammered that he was
0: like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Davy just lapping it up. Yeah, I was going oh the,
1: oh this is great. <laughs> I think my voice had broken by then, but it, like so it was like the next day go to Rockfield go and check it out and goes we're gonna make the fucking record
2: there and it's like you know what you got to do like when jimmy page made did all these guitar overdubs for uh the led zeppelin album presence and goes you know you know what he did it took loads of coke went into the st- went into the studio and just did a little guitar overdubs it was like really high on coke um like, oh okay
0: cool <laughs> um
2: all right hi <laughs> <Hey. laughs>
1: Sure. Sure. Okay. No worries. <laughs> and so the next day we went to Rockfield and it was the studio where that, yeah, well, they, look, Queen had done Bohemian Rhapsody there. It was Dave Edmonds, who's another guitar playing hero of mine. Um, he did all his early stuff there and, um, uh yeah so so that was like we'd you know played the piano that freddie played on bohemian rhapsody and all that kind of thing
0: amazing was
1: big thrill but there was a i remember seeing a um there was a door there was like this little kind of little kind of outside kind of recreation area and there was this door that had like this massive hole in it and it was like oh what wh- what happened there and they're the studio hand was like, oh, well, we keep that there as a little keepsake. Like, apparently, it was like, yeah, when Oasis were recording Morning Glory there, I think it's documented in their Oasis documentary, but they, Liam and Oll had a massive fight, and Liam, all, and I can't remember who, I can't remember which, but like, had chased the other with a cricket bat, and like, and <laughs> <laughs> fucking... Bashed a hole through the door, and so they keep that as a little um,
0: little memento.
1: Little memento of um, yeah, having <laughs> those nuts there.
0: <laughs> so we haven't talked about ELO yet. I really, oh. I thought that we would be talking about ELO for the entire hour. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the main things that you and I bonded over straight away when we met was our love for ELO and Jeff Lynne. Actually, Absolutely. I think. I think my first memory actually was that I was at a show that perhaps Tim was at or or Tim was yes. playing at and I was wearing my I was wearing Your, a, a, my denim jacket with the ELO patch on the at, back
1: with the out of the blue cover yeah. was it mm-hmm. and Tim sent it to me
0: Yeah we were on and we were on the back stairs at the zoo in Brisbane That's right and that's right and we were talking for a while and then when I turned around I said you know so nice to see you hug and kiss bye turned around he was like oh my god i have to take a photo of your jacket for davy
2: <laughs> yeah and he sent it to me he goes oh fucking check this jacket out i was like holy shit and i, yeah. I did we no
1: we hadn't met by that point but i knew i knew no. who you i knew yeah who you me were, too i knew and- i
0: knew who you were but we but I, I also I think when he said that I was like I can't wait to meet Davey because I I don't know very many people that are obsessive over ELO <laughs> absolutely and it would be f- really nice to talk about it with someone
1: and for me like the the e- ELO thing is that kind of come full circle in the fact that like there was maybe a time when ELO and I hate I hate this term um, guilty pleasures because. Like, <laughs> It was I don't, I don't believe in guilty pleasures myself. It's like, if you like something you fucking like it and but like, be completely unabashed about it. Not that Elo is anything to be guilty of. Um no. but let 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 it be said. But um I remember having Elo my mum and dad had Elo records in their collection and I was like, "Oh, this is great." And I can't remember what, I think maybe that was like discovery was the one that that got the you know um,
0: that's the hit record,
1: the hit, the big hit record, yeah. And I think they had Out in the Blue, but we didn't. That one didn't get played as much. Well. I mean, because because cause it's a double album, and it's probably a bit more, bit more of an investment of of time. <laughs> sure. Even though it has Mr. Blue Sky on it, but investment um, of time. And uh, hey, <laughs> uh, that's an excellent segue there to a record that I only discovered. Subsequent to that
0: called time call time <laughs> <laughs>
1: my first band, the pictures were doing a tour in it would have been two thousand or two thousand and one. We supported um Sleepy Jackson when they first came out. I mean at that time, Luke Steele was still wearing a trucker cap and and singing country pop songs.
0: no eyeliner insight,
1: nary a sniff of eyeliner. <laughs> But he was uh, he was he was obsessed with that record time and oh, and he? that's what got me onto it. It was only after that that I started to delve into later ELO. This is I know this is probably an unpopular um, opinion, but pro- maybe my favorite ELO record is uh, Balance of Power.
0: I l- I love Balance of Power, but tell me why you love it
1: uh well the first song is is heaven only knows which is great song it's jeff lynn's songwriting but it has all the hallmarks of a lot of other things that from around that time that i'm so familiar with because he produced like george harrison's cloud nine record and i guess tom petty's full moon fever so it has a lot of the same kind of production things which you know but depending on who you are you either either love them or 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 hate them But
0: i have i have a lot of friends that really don't like elo and i i sort of get it you know they they do have a, a a bit of a cheesy vibe but it's the same
1: it's the same as queen for me like i find with people it's like hugely theatrical Yes. Some might say overwrought, but like, but for me, that's a word that does not exist in my vernacular. But um, and for me, I, I, yeah, I mean, I love, I love so much punk music as well. But and and people would argue, well, that's why punk exists because mm-hmm. of the bands like ELO and bands like Queen. But um,
0: I suppose that's true, but it doesn't stop you from liking it all. Like you absolutely, can relate, absolutely not you can relate to all of it. There's, and there's having room. you know, yeah, yeah, there's room for it all, and I, yeah, you you were talking about balance of power. I think there's that song so serious on that oh, record, yeah, and absolutely. if you think about it, it could also be like a great punk rock song, like if you just sped it up. Well, you know, yeah. If if you, it's a great if, song.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a perfect example of a song. It's like, well, you dress it up in different clothes, and it can be whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, is, is It Alright is my favourite song off that record, which is one of my favourite, all-time favourite Jeff Lynne songs. Um,
0: my, I'll tell you my favourite songs. We're going to get deep into ELO here. Um, <laughs> everyone else is just going to switch it off. Hope you like going. ELO <laughs>
1: out there.
0: So I remember the first time I heard um, Yours Truly, 2095, Oh, That was, like, such a huge moment for me because, you know, I was obviously, like, really into synths and really into craft work and and Devo and it really fit in with that whole sort of genre. And I think that's what maybe got me really excited about ELO in the first place.
1: Which for me is is one of the great um, dichotomies of of Jeff Lynne because he... You see, Jeff Lynne interviewed, and he's not like—I mean, he's certainly no no
2: dummy, but he's a pretty like—he's like, oh, you know, I just sorted this song, and I thought it'd like, you know, it was be really marvelous, you know, the kind of writes a song about that, and you know, you know, just <laughs> it.
0: really like that. He sounds a lot like Paul McCartney when you do him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they do come from the same school of, uh... look, 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 Liverpool and Birmingham—they're uh, not too far apart. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, he's just so – in interview, he's so really un- – he's, he's just so unassuming. And even in – I've never had the, the, the privilege of seeing Electric Light Orchestra live.
0: And you know what? If they ever come to Australia, you and I are going to tour Australia together.
1: <laughs> that – Absolutely is a... Um, That's a pact. Is a rock-solid pact, yeah.
0: Yeah, stay in all the same hotels as Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> wait Wait <laughs> at the elevator. <laughs>
2: what are we... Oh, it's not used again. I don't need to see... Uh, I'll be um, wearing my ELO jacket. It's
0: going to be great.
1: I'll just have my curly hair wig and <laughs> aviators and, and... and I'll probably grow a goatee, especially for the occasion, but... And that's the thing, some of those uh, some of those ELO songs cover some pretty like existential ground lyrically and even in concert with I mean obviously he's never been that Freddie Mercury. It's like,
2: well it's like
1: you know, someone will finish and everyone will go nuts and goes,
2: mm. Oh geez, that's great. You're all really mar you're marvelous. Oh, you're great. That's oh, I'm really humbled. I'm really I'm chuffed, really chuffed. Yeah. I'm really chuffed <laughs>
0: He's so sweet and really self-deprecating, and it's kind of amazing because he's, you know, he's he's one of the top producers and I'd say top songwriters in the yeah. world, and and he's just so humble about it, and and you know he plays like every instrument on his records, and ah, oh, absolutely, you know, and it's, he's still making like I loved his um alone in the universe. we you and I have talked about this, Abs- um, Yeah, yeah. How much we love that that record that didn't you know come out too long ago? Um, that was yeah, yeah that was really a, a couple of years ago, and there was yeah. one that
1: the, the 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 most recent one that came out last year It was uh, from Out of Nowhere. But there's a song called it's called Losing You on that record, which like for me is one of the great ELO songs, and I'd sent it to um to Tim Rogers because I know like he's you know he's a appreciator of uh, of fine songwriting and he's it was like oh my god the actually when I was talking before like at the uh, right at the top there about songs that can kind of get me choked up that's probably one of them as well like, yeah it's just those chord changes and it's yeah like, it's really oh, beautiful amazing yeah
0: what are some other songs that get you choked up not necessarily ELO um, just in general
1: yeah well there's a song by Judy Sill. Do you, have you heard of Judy Sill? She was a is she um, like a folk. Yeah, she was kind of Laurel Canyon. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um kind of but there's a song of hers called um The Kiss. It's beautiful. Um uh it's piano and her voice double tracked and it is one of the most hauntingly beautiful things you'll you'll ever hear. Aww. Um that's one. Um there's a uh, uh, you know I don't know it's like uh, cuz it's in recent memory but there's a song that um uh, not just like going hey uh, this is what we're working on right now but like there's a new song that Tim's written for the um next UMI my record there are, there are two actually that just grabbed me there's one called manliness which is one of the most like tender beautiful songs I've ever heard and there's another one um Another one, which is more of a rock song, called called The Water Boy.
0: I mean, Tim is incredible at writing the the heart wrenching tunes.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Can
0: you tell me? Speaking of Tim, can we go through like some of the things that you've learnt from Tim? Some of the things you've learnt playing with him and writing songs with him?
1: Yeah, um, for, for me, it was like it was my exper- It was my experiences with Tim that got me thinking more about. Paying more attention to lyrics for me as a kid, lyrics, or you know, in my first attempts at writing songs, lyrics were just like a vehicle for a melody. Mm. It's just like okay, like you've got if you've got a good melody, then like fuck, what do the lyrics need to be good for? Like that, yeah, it's just something I to definitely
0: relate to that.
1: <laughs> he, uh, I mean, and his turns of phrase and his is his turns of phrase in songs i find like oddly i don't know any other way to describe it but like but they're kind of um cinematic in the way that they that you kind of get a little hint at the top of the song as to what's going on but then there will be like like right at the end of the song or like at some point of the song something turns and there'll be a sucker punch and it's one of those things that really Hits you in the heart, I
0: guess. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, he's definitely yeah he's definitely like a, a pretty amazing poet and a pretty amazing writer of prose too. You know his his book is pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's yeah. That's that was um, yeah. So I mean, you know, like like I was saying before, I think it's like oh Tim's my mate, and I'll like you know I'll wake up in the morning and it's like, like you know and we'll send each other some. Fucking stupid Tim and Eric clips or something yeah, like that, yeah. and
0: but um, and then he'll send you that, and you'll be like, "Whoa, yeah, so, <laughs> whoa, yeah, yeah." That is, I definitely feel like that sometimes about Ben and Quan too. When I when I hear stuff that they've been doing or ideas they've had, I'm just like, "Whoa, they are uh, amazing." Yeah.
1: I mean, there are a couple of fiercely like creative characters
0: yeah creative forces and chameleons and you know they're always Absolutely. Changing, like, what they're doing which is really impressive
1: and like you know for me like hearing like as 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 a kid oh But it was in 95 96 when um two plane came out and i was yeah. like whoa what, what the fuck is this and like hearing kung fu sing which for me like kind of left such a market on me that i've subsequently um kind of ripped it off on my on my new record. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't pick that reference.
1: <laughs> well, a, there's a song that Jimmy Barnes sings on. Oh yeah. And well, I guess by proxy of it being kind of a bit of having a bit of a Beast Beastie Boys kind of kind of yeah. thing to it. But like that whole record left such a mark on me and then le- and then Unit came out and so c- it's like what's like what does it sound like Prince now? What the fuck I is know. this? And it's like it's <laughs> it, so great. it was it was, yeah. I mean, for me as a kid, a kid growing up in Australia, it was like there was so much stuff there that was just, whoa! This is me um, too. Yeah.
0: Well, what's your when you play a UMI show? What's your what's the bit you look forward to the most? Um,
1: there's there's usually usually a song we play in the set. I mean, we we always like to even from from day to day we like mixing it up a bit. I'm always. A, a, a fan of of some of the more deeper cuts, you know. It's a, always a joy to play something like Rumble or Berlin Chair at the end of the show and have folks react mm-hmm. in an incredible way to that. That's pretty amazing. To to it's almost like for it's it's almost like for those songs they're not they don't require an incredible amount of um, musical concentration so you can almost kind of just like take in the moment as it as it happens in in real time but for, for me there i don't know that there are there's a song called um, guys girls guitars which is a song that's kind of hidden away towards the end of number 4 record that's one of my favorite songs that tim's ever written and um there's a song on a record called Convicts, um, uh, called Secrets, which is also—I mean—and like, they're so, they're not the songs that everyone kind of goes up for usually, but they're the they're their songs that just personally for me like have such an a- a affection for. It. It's, yeah, it's, uh, they're the yeah they're the ones that I really savor as we're as we're playing them.
0: That's great. I want to ask you my final question, which is the question that I ask everybody. Yeah. Um, what is your strangest show experience?
1: Yeah, obviously there are the ones where, you know, that have been surreal for the reasons of us. You know, we've played with heroes of ours and, and especially surreal one for us was going to London and playing with, we supported the replacements for a couple of shows. Wow in about five years ago now and they ended up being like two of the last shows that they ever did so um, you know even though they're all they're all alive and kicking I don't I don't I think probably prospects of them playing together again are, that was that was strange just because it was we didn't ever think we'd get to we didn't ever ever think we'd get to see the replacements let alone get to support them
0: That's amazing. Um,
1: So that was, but um, in terms of like, yeah, strange gig. I I remember this is probably maybe three or four years ago. We. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I love a preemptive giggle. uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Andy came. um, Andy who Andy Kent who is plays bass in the band, but is also our manager. He said, "Oh, we've got an offer to play at the, what's the the, the run that they do, um in Sydney? It's like the uh, the city city to surf or something like that."
0: Oh, yep, yep, yep.
1: So it was like, oh, we got an offer to play at the, you know, the the marathon, and it's like, how the fuck do you play at it? Like, what, what, like. So what do we? They all get to the end, and then mm-hmm. everyone breathes a sigh of relief, and everyone goes, oh, "Okay, we can we can watch a band now?" And yeah. Like, and it's like, uh, no, like we're playing the, like, um, you know, five minutes from the start starting point, and it's like, oh, how the, f- <laughs> how the, f- how does that work? And it's like, well, everyone runs up this. Uh, I don't know what road it is leading up to Bondi or whatever, but like we're we're playing on the awning of a pub. It's like one of those, you know, it's like a big Sydney pubs. So there's the awning that kind of goes out to the, you know, atop the f- footpath and whatnot. So well, okay, it's a bit that all right, that well that well okay.
0: So the the race starts. And then you've run for five minutes and then you run past UMO. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 absolutely. That is that is what it was. So, we, so we're like, okay. Yeah, Andy, well, it was Andy who got the offer. So, he was like, he had already been kind of like desensitized to, to it. But Tim, Tim and Rusty and I were like, okay. Bit strange, but cool. Like we love doing strange things. Sure. Um. So, uh, we were we were on stage at seven fifteen in the morning, Ugh. and
0: <laughs> <That's> already brutal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We rather than attack it like okay, we have to. Okay, this is a really weird early morning. Um. And we, we we went out for a sound check and we were like, Well, basically just to make sure everything was working and it's like we're out in the awning of a pub and there's like a, like <laughs> a, like a four lane road in front of us that we're staring down at like that's empty at this point because the city to surf has not started yet. So
0: what time was soundcheck? Like six in the morning. Soundcheck
1: was like six or something. Oh. Yeah, I think we had like a lobby call at lobby call at five oh. thirty <laughs> or something like that. Which is funny, like given that I was actually thinking of of um, lobby calls today because it's been months and months and months since we've obviously been able to tour. And so I was like, oh really, I'm oh, really misturing now. It's like I'm never gonna complain about an early lobby call lobby call ever again. <laughs> or a lobby that airport won't call. Very long. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, we, we got we got to the gig and we didn't realise we like okay, we got to the gig it's like fucking five thirty six in the morning. Uh. But it, it they had uh, had adhered to our our, our you know, they got gotten our rider and they had a, basically a whole rider set out for us at at, at six in the morning. So it was kind like of strange. the strained. usual rider? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the brim. <laughs> yeah.
0: What's your. Tell me about the rider. Tell me what your usual rider is.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, it's a, a lot of beer and a lot of tequila and whiskey and whatnot. But. Some nibbles? Uh, Yeah, absolutely, some nibbles. (laughs) When I first um, realised I could contribute to the UMI writer request, I was like, oh, wow, this is great. Uh, I really loved Subway, but (laughs) I was like, oh, I keep hearing about this party sub. And I was so disappointed when we first got the, the, the Subway party sub that it was just like a tray of... Subs that had been and cut up oh, when you see it in the off. subway restaurant, it looks like a you, you hear about this party sub, and you know, it's like, Oh, if they got like a 10 foot long oven to cook the
0: yeah, like that to, sandwich in the Simpsons, it exactly you never put a dent in this 10 foot hoagie, yeah.
2: March, I'd like some time alone with the sandwich,
0: <laughs> sandwich, but.
1: So, yeah, so we we, we finished soundcheck and it's like, oh, I'll have a coffee. And, and then we're like, oh, well, we're getting ready for a gig. So, um, all right, well, what the hell, we'll have a couple of, you know, let, let's have a couple of um, solidarity shots. At, mm-hmm. um, and then jumped out through this little window onto this awning while there's like – thousands and thousands of people with like bibs and numbers on their bibs like running past us and people like kind of like pointing their fingers up at us and 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 (laughs) (laughs) it was strange by proxy but it felt like it it almost it felt like we were the observers we were like yeah we're just playing and there's like thousands and thousands of people kind of (laughs) running by so just
0: running past you yeah what just running of, past what how long did you have to play for
1: we played like i think we maybe played for half an hour or something like okay. that Okay, that's not too bad it's not yeah i mean yeah but <laughs> i <laughs> remember so it being weird. one of them one of the more kind of joyful <laughs> gig gigs because we were just we were just looking at each other and let and you know there are there are sections of songs where Tim and I sing together, and we find it's like we're not being able to get through them because we're because we can't stop laughing. But yeah. it's like I don't think like, Yeah, I, I, it's not like we, you know, it's not like a. It's not. Like there's a. There'd be a discerning audience of chin strokers out there.
0: Yeah. Everyone's out just there. like trying not to spew. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And how did then after the show? Did you all just straight back to bed?
1: Well, yeah, i i flew I flew back to Melbourne. Oh no! Yeah, I flew back to Melbourne, so I don't think I got back home till about like three or four in the afternoon. Oh. By which time I was I hangover. Yeah. <laughs> I was already in hangover. Yeah, I'd kind of I did help myself to a couple of airport lounge wines. <laughs>
0: Um, well, Davey, it's just so nice to talk to you, and thank you so much for making the time to be on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me; it's a, such a joy.
0: And you know, I feel like I have another few hours of Jeff Lynn talk in me, um, so we could keep talking off mic, you know.
1: Absolutely, we can. Or oh, yeah, we can just keep surreptitiously recording this for an for our inevitable um, Electric Light Orchestra podcast.
0: Oh my God, Davey. Maybe we should do it.
2: <laughs> hey,
0: <laughs> that's what the world needs right now. It's just Absolutely. what the world needs is a yeah. an hour of ELO chat every day by yes. two total dickheads. <laughs> just, yep, yep. Just talking about how much we love Jeff. <laughs> Actually, on a side note, really quickly, did you know that "Evil Woman" was written in six minutes? What I heard that I heard him say that the other day. He wrote Evil Woman while um the band popped out for a fag and he just wrote it. He was like, Oh, this album doesn't really have a hit, so I'm just gonna write a hit and then he just wrote of Evil course. Woman yeah, in six okay. minutes.
2: <laughs> Cause that's how you
1: that, that, that's how you do it. Like you don't <laughs> you don't spend months and months no. slaving over a hot guitar and um in, in a studio.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't that insane? I love that story. That old,
2: you know, popped out for the fag, and I thought, yeah, you know, I'm going to write the big single.
0: <laughs> That's pretty amazing.
2: Um, but of course, you know, like he
0: can. He can. He's,
1: he's Jeff. He's Lynn. Jeff Lynn. He's our. He's our. Um.
0: He's our spirit animal. Yeah.
1: He's our higher he's our higher power oh. and our yeah wizard of wizard of wonder.
0: <laughs> I'm just so happy that Jeff has brought us together as friends and. Because you know, I, I do Absolutely. actually feel like it, that was that's the reason why we became friends, and I'm so happy that we are.
1: Absolutely. Well, I can attest to that, <laughs> Saya. And I, um, you know, Jeff was the icebreaker, but uh, there's an oceans worth of um, depth of uh, shared sensibilities and interests. Absolutely. That,
0: um, yeah. Oh, thank you, Davey. <laughs> I'll, um, thank you, Saya. I, I look forward to, to your album coming out. Ah, oh, thank I you. I look forward to the new you my stuff. Thanks, Saya.